Welcome to podcast number 73 of the Texas Hip Show podcast. This is podcast number 73. I'm Russell Dowden, your publisher for the Texas Hip Reporter magazine. And riding shotgun always is my co-host Jesse Williams of the Texas Cannabis Collective. Hi, Jesse. Hola. Buenos, buenos. Good to good to have you here. Um, South by Southwest going on downtown Austin. I understand you were down there yesterday or the day before. We are back to being at chaos in downtown Austin. Spring break. Nothing like a little chaos here in Austin, Texas. So uh, uh, it's that time of year, and um, it is spring break, and and things are getting back to a little bit of normal uh, normalcy. As we spoke with uh, Morris last week at uh, NoCo Eight, there's not any craziness going on at noco we you've got uh, the country starting to open up a little more with these events and and uh and things in normalcy in austin means being weird though we are at podcast number 73 this week and our guest joining us in from the west coast is cannabis pioneer and found co-founder of harborside andrew d'angelo is chiming in via video uh, he and his brother steve created the harborside very honored to have Andrew D'Angelo hanging out with us here on the T- Texas Hip Show podcast. How are you, Andrew? Fantastic, guys. How are you? Great to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Well, very small world since my co-host Jesse was hanging out with your brother Steve the other day for a Last Prisoner Project venue that was going on here in Austin. And many of my friends and colleagues were at that. I missed it. But Jesse got to say hi to your brother. Well, I'm so glad that you were at that event for Last Prisoner Project. That was our big um, fundraiser that we did in South by Southwest. One of our constituents, Michael Thompson, has a a film that was in the film festival about his life and his case. And, you know, what a terrific welcome that Last Prisoner Project has gotten in Austin and, and South by Southwest, not just this year, but previous years also. We've had panels and and other events and we've always felt super welcome there and and thank you for attending the event and helping us get people out of prison something that i say i wanted to ask i was telling russell about on my drive into the office was that i asked your brother what would be a great question for andrew that he would do stellar (laughs) on and but we don't hear or nobody really asked him a lot about and he said to inquire about your opinions on management and management styles and when you discussed it, I was very intrigued. I'm I'm very big into management styles. Hmm. Well, I don't believe that we should command and control our teams from ivory towers. And I don't think the next generation of leaders wants to be told what to do and how to do it. I think people want to be able to make decisions. And so I want to, as a leader, I always try to empower decision-making downward um in the the organization so that we can learn upward uh, about our customers and about our teams you know cannabis businesses are about people people are the ones that plant the seeds that harvest the plants that make the plants into all these wonderful products we get to enjoy the bud tenders that sell those products to the public and all the different cannabinoids you have a couple of them there in texas now and and hopefully we'll get all of them to you soon enough but we're a people business and it's important to treat people with respect and and to train them and give them tools and give them development and a future that they feel is going to be one filled with growth and opportunities for them and so that's how i like to lead and i i think culture eats strategy for breakfast and um, that we should be spending every single day at our workplaces talking about our culture, cultivating our culture, and leading like gardeners, uh, not like generals. <laughs> yeah, they, they very much see the job as rewarding. They have, they're accountable to their job, so they're very proud of the work they do, especially when they do it as a team. And I, I love that you're, you're putting that forward. Yeah. I mean, we're all on the same team here, and that that includes, I don't know, we're all Americans, right? We're all on the same team in that respect. We're all cannabis people. We're all on the on the same team in that respect. We we care about social justice. We care about opportunity. We care about we're entrepreneurs. We're not <laughs> we're capitalists. 
but we're, <laughs> you know, we're capitalists with a conscious, I think is, is kind of what our industry, I hope we're all working to create an industry that is capitalism with a conscious. And, and I think cannabis could really usher that entire movement into and be a part of ushering that into mainstream capitalism itself. And I know at the festival, South by Southwest, there's a lot of panels and speakers and topics about this very thing and, and moving beyond where we just extract everything to make money from the earth and, 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 and not pay attention to how we're going to make that sustainable. So, so, and whether that be from an earth point of view or whether that be how we lead our teams, um, it's all, we're, we're moving to a, an era of holistic thinking um, and holistic feeling. And I think there's just great opportunities for us to bond with each other. As we come out of the pandemic, we can bond on, on some of these concepts that I think people have reflected on a lot in the last couple of years. You know, Andrew, you've been in the space here for a long, long time. You know, what's your message to lawmakers, I guess, in Texas to get us, you know, to push us over, over the, the line here with cannabis? Well, my message to elected officials everywhere is the same, because basically every elected official, believe it or not, even here in California, they're afraid of cannabis. And they're afraid that if they are pro-cannabis, that they'll pay for it with their jobs, that they won't get reelected. And that's simply not true. If you look at all the polling, whether it's polling in Texas or polling anywhere in the country, the people want this. And, um, and, and so that's the first message. If you come out for cannabis, you won't be destroyed. You won't lose your job. People will support you. You may be in a place where that support will be a little more quiet and not everybody's ready to jump out of the green closet in Texas and pump their <laughs> hands on their chest and say, I am stoner. Um, <laughs> but, but, but there are people that are willing to say, hey, look, I'm going to write you a check for your campaign. You know, <laughs> this weed thing I support. Um, yeah, let's get behind and, this. Yeah, let's get behind this, you know, so I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> right, right. Um, um, because until we're legal, it's so hard to come out of the closet because you could lose your job or you could lose the relationship with your pastor or your priest or your family or whatever could be threatened. And and, and those are risky things for people, man. People don't want to risk that. One thing, one thing that improved, I think, in recent, the last year or two, Andrew, was the employment for like professional sports. Didn't they stop testing? Like, I guess NBA players and professional sports. I don't know if it was more than the NFL or Major League Soccer, but we've seen where those bigger corporations and they are not testing the, the athletes anymore. They're kind of turning away to cannabis use. You spoke about the workplace i just thought i would mention that because that's we're seeing some progress in sports yeah I, I, a little bit amazon was the biggest domino to fall yes okay amazon was the biggest domino to fall the nba uh interestingly enough have not tested players for cannabis for a long time because they wouldn't have any league <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, nfl still does and we have a a professional American basketball player locked up in Russia for weed right now, Brittany Griner, um, that we wow. can't forget about her. And, and so athletes and, and, you know, Ricky Williams, the football player who went to university of Texas, mm -hmm. um, right there in Austin, he got in all kinds of trouble for weed, um, and almost lost his career. And, and luckily he was able to come back from suspension and had even better years. <laughs> Which just goes to show you. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's actually, he's one we want to get on the show. I've actually tried trying to find or locate Ricky. So uh, I'll go to his website. I think it's Ricky Williams Life or something like that. Yeah, and, he has a he has a new brand of cannabis of his own that yeah. I wanted to get him on the show. I'll uh, give you a little secret, uh, which <laughs> won't I guess be that much of a secret. So Ricky, forgive me if your inbox gets inundated, but. <laughs> 
Ricky's an astrologer. One of his passions right now is, is, is astrology. So, so drop him an email on his website or whatever, however they have to contact and say, I'd like to get a, a reading. Um, <laughs> there you go. I'm Ricky. I'd like to hire Ricky to give me a reading. You might get a response. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it in the stars that we get an interview? Yeah, can we get it? Is it in the stars that we get an interview? That's yeah, a good yeah, way to. Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent way of putting good it. Good point, Jesse. Um, Talk about your consulting services a little. You're you're the you're the guru. You've kind of got this. Uh, you've got the consulting services. People contact you for corporate events. You're doing a lot of. Oh well, thank you so much for asking. You know, we started Harborside in '06 here in California, one of the first licensed medical cannabis dispensaries in the world. Oakland, the city of Oakland was the first place anywhere since the feds made weed illegal in 1937 to permit a cannabis dispensary and we it was medical in those days of course and and we were we got one of the first permits and and so i i ran harborside eventually grew and 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 up to four or five different retail locations we have a big by the time i left the company we had a big farm we had manufacturing brands we were a vertically integrated business we had 250 people working for us and, you know, I ran the day-to-day -day operations of that for 13 years. My brother was really in charge of building the rest of the industry. He was doing all the media work. He was doing all the outward-facing work, all the political relationships, the community relationship. Um, and I was in the shop, you know, running the day-to-day -day or, or, or running the wholesale operation at the farm or what have you. And that's where I learned about management. That's where I learned about uh, leadership. Before that, I was an underground wheat dealer. <laughs> you know? um, uh, and you don't learn a lot about how to write a job description or a performance review or a RFP for a municipality or ordering and designing packaging <laughs> uh, when you're in the underground. And, and so we had to learn all those things. And, and there was no industry there was no place for us to call on there was no software there was no packaging company there was no you know trade association we'd get help with we, we had to sort of invent all of that stuff and we did um i i helped co-found california cannabis industry association which was is still the biggest trade association here in california and it's important that we do those things that we build those 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 institutions of support around us so that when entrepreneurs come in now, people <laughs> like me can help them navigate that that whole process, um, and 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 they can learn from me because I've done it before successfully, and I can help those folks uh, do it successfully. And I just locked down my first uh, industrial hemp client uh, in Oklahoma, actually. And, um, and we're going to be the, the U United States Department of Agriculture is issuing a ton of grants right now. And a lot of hempsters are applying for those grants. And I have a client that we're going to apply for a grant together. And we're going to try to grow hemp seed for food and nutrition, um, not CBD, um, but for food and nutrition um, so people can... Um, Stay right there, Andrew. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick commercial break. It's the okay. Texas Hemp Show. This is podcast number seventy three. We'll be right back on the other side with our guest Andrew D'Angelo. It's the Texas Hemp Show. After this, hey, this is Cheech Marin, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Labs exclusive hemp monitoring program. Hemp Plan members get one-on-one -on -one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. 
The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at all CBD and smoke shops in Houston and Austin, Texas. Expanding to Dallas and San Antonio this year. Cannabis is slowly becoming legal in Texas. So be sure to listen to the Texas Hemp Show podcast every week, wherever podcasts are available. The premier hemp and marijuana advocacy publication for Texas. The Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. Mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. Now in our third year, with more than 100,000 copies made available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops in Texas. That's the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and the Texas Hemp Show. Visit online at TexasHempReporter.com and listen wherever podcasts are available. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. I'm All right, welcome back to the Texas Hip Show podcast. This is show number 73. Our guest, Andrew D'Angelo, co-founder of Harborside, and he and his brother created Harborside way back in the day. Gosh, it's been, uh, I don't know how many years, but co-founder there with The Last Prisoner Project. He's a real mover and shaker in all things cannabis, not just here in the United States, but internationally as well. Very honored to have Andrew chiming in with us here and on the Texas Hemp Show podcast. If only, Andrew, we could get the lawmakers of Texas. They need a push. They need an oomph here in the Lone Star State, Andrew. Yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's a big challenge in Texas because the legislature only meets once every two years. And if you don't make it during a year that they meet, you've got two more years before you have another mm-hmm. shot at it. Yeah. And the enemies of cannabis, it doesn't take many of them to sort of stonewall a session. And I, I think you got decrim, right? Did you get decrim oh, through the state? We haven't even gotten. No, decrim. we, we, oh, we, man. we were, it was on the, it was on the initiative last session, but our, we didn't. Our governor has for two sessions been for penalty reduction and it's yeah. been pretty much blocked when it moves over to our Senate because our Lieutenant governor has flat out said, this is not happening very tough on cannabis so we've got to get better more active with our voting and and getting these guys uh, getting new leadership in hopefully you know that can that change will come another stifling um, another drag for texas is the that uh, we don't get a voice on the ballot for there's no ballot initiative we don't have like like, unlike california we don't have ballot initiative for state level items so uh, like a nonprofit i work with we have to go into individual towns to do ballot initiative to decriminalize their own police department because if yeah. that were true if we had that if we had as voters that power andrew i think texans would have voted many years ago for for cannabis i think so too and that's a it's it's unfortunate that that the ballot initiative process does not exist in all the states because it really is a powerful tool for people any tool can be abused by people who want to abuse power. And we've seen that happen a little bit with the initiative process in California. And it cuts both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can get something passed by initiative that's very progressive. And then a couple years later, it can get reversed <laughs> um, by people who are against it, who get enough signatures, get it on the ballot and create enough energy to win. So. You know, I think ultimately it's what you said. You got to elect better people. I mean, if, yeah. if, if you've got people at the highest levels of government in the executive branch that are so anti-cannabis in such a public way and in such a intense way, it's going to be hard to move things through there. You know, it's going to be really, really difficult. Even if the legislature wants to do it, I assume the executive branch can veto it. So, um, and, and that vetoes are really hard to overcome in a conservative state where you probably barely have enough votes to get it through the, the two two houses of the legislature. 
And um, so that it, it, it's just a tough one. You know, the other issue is particularly nowadays, people are a lot more emotional about different issues than cannabis. All of us cannabis people who love the plant, of course, it's our number one issue. I'm a one issue voter, man. Whoever's got the best position on cannabis, boom, they get my vote. I don't yeah. care what political party they're in. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what they look like. I don't care how they dress. I don't care what they eat. I don't care any about that. If you're good on weed, you got my vote. Or if yeah. you're just better than the other person. <laughs> you're not really a single issue voter, as I've been telling people. If you're voting for cannabis, you're voting for health care reform, you're voting for criminal justice reform, all sorts I mean, of things. Yeah, they all go hand in hand. But but what moves me to go to the polls, and I, I'm, you know, I go, I always vote, even if, if, if I'm not that motivated, I'll do uh, just because I was raised with that sense of civic duty. But, um, but, you know, we have to get our people excited to come out and vote and, 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 and cannabis can excite people. And this is where the elected officials need to hear, especially Democrats and, because there's a lot of conservative Democrats probably who are not pro cannabis in Texas, they need to get with the program um, and um, and know that their constituents, no matter how conservative on other issues, are if they're if they have a shot to to gain office at all as a Democrat, they can certainly take the they can certainly take a positive position on cannabis without too much downside. I want to ask talking about earlier when you all first started up in California in the nineties with your, your retail shop for when it was medical between then and 2016, when it went recreational legal in California, y'all had done a show called weed wars. Yeah. And the last thing I remember about it was, I think it went four episodes and the fourth episode was like, well, we've been, we've had Leo's come in and pretty much suspend us. And I'm wondering like, what, what, what was the full story behind that? Um, well, the Weed Wars program happened around 2011, 2012, and it, 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 there was all kinds of, there's always battles in cannabis. Some, sometimes they're big battles like, are we going to legalize for adult use, or are we going to legalize for medical, or are we going to decriminalize at all? And sometimes there's small battles like taxes with a, a local tax authority, which one of the episodes in Weed Wars was about how the city of Oakland was interpreting a, a particular part of taxes that we paid them. Mm. Um, uh, and so that was a big thing. But 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 six months after Weed Wars aired, the federal government did try to shut down Harborside. It's too bad that the show didn't get picked up for a future season because we really did have a war at that point that was existential. Yeah. And that was, and we won that war. Um, at least that particular battle, we didn't win the 280E war, <laughs> um, uh, which is the federal tax war that we fought. But the, but they tried to shut us down, and by taking our buildings away from us through our landlords in forfeiture actions, it's called a forfeiture action. And um, we went to court and we won, um, and we were able to keep our doors open. So, um, you you know you you. These are the kind of wars and battles um, that we fight and that you, you have to be willing to risk it all. I mean, there's a lot of people in jail in Texas who who can attest to that right yeah. now for weed that, gosh, I'm, we're trying to get out with Last Prisoner Project. And and um, and it's just tragic um, that 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 we still have uh, folks locked up for this, especially where where in places where cannabis is fully legal, like California or uh, Massachusetts or yeah. Illinois um, uh, and all these places. So um, we have to do our battles and you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And I, I think that what was great about Weed Wars, the program was we were able to show the world what was happening in California. We were able to, we were, that program was the first time anyone had ever given a child with epilepsy cannabis tincture with CBD in it, mm -hmm. uh, which, which I did in episode two, I think it was, or episode three, it might've been. Um, and that started a whole revolution. 
Um, I mean, that those kids are one of the reasons you have a CBD law in Texas. Um, uh, those kids are one of the reasons there is medical cannabis in places like Mississippi now. Yeah. Um, um, so it did a lot. You know, I, I didn't know when I gave that child that all this was going to happen. I suspected that if it worked, mm -hmm. that we, we were going to be on to something. But as I, um, you know, um, and we were, uh, and so it, 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 it got popularized throughout cool. the epileptic community and that all came out of weed wars. So, yeah. so you know, it was, it was, it, 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 I'm really proud of that part of it. Well, too, all, another point to weed wars, uh, you know, it was really that it, it, the culture uh, that it created and it was uh, it ripened the rest of the country. And you started seeing around that time of 2011, 2012, more states starting passing laws. And it, what it really did is woke people up culturally. What it did for the culture was was huge. Having a show about cannabis. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, my brother and I were cultural people that have disguised themselves as weed dealers. <laughs> um, we're, we're cultural engineers is really what we are. And we're trying to bring these plant medicines to the culture. And also what we were talking about it with leadership. There's certain values that the plant has taught me that plant medicines have taught me and my brother. And, and we try to incorporate those lessons into our value system. And then, see if that value system can influence the wider culture that that we all have to live and exist in and i can say <clears throat> i've seen a lot of progress in my lifetime certainly with cannabis um huge amount of progress and maybe some other parts of american life not as much progress but with respect to cannabis certainly we've come a long way since richard nixon declared war on us in 1972 um, 50 years ago now, uh, just a couple years after I was born. So just the power of the people can never be underestimated. And our ability to influence each other is always present. And you guys are doing it with your show. Um, mm -hmm. Right there in Texas, there's all kinds of folks I met several years ago and i got to go out there for an event um with a very grassroots group that was trying to get decrim done at that time um and it's one we're all we're all like little actors in a giant play and <laughs> and and the play is you know going to change the world culturally and is changing the world you are changing your own little world where you are or you know, bigger world, Texas, pretty big place. Um, so, and that's how it's done. It's, it, there's not one hero that rides in on a white horse for our community. It's all of us working together, knowing that every day is hard. Every day is not easy in places like Texas. It, it couldn't be more hard, you know, in, in many respects. So, but we keep at it. You know, you, you've got commercials going on on your show and you've got people sponsoring you and you're grinding it out and you got a beautiful yeah. studio and you're going to work every day and you're, you're, you've, you're 73 episodes in and you know, <laughs> that, that, that's something to be proud of, man. I mean, yeah. you are, you're not, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like you're cranking out the, the pay on this thing. You're probably barely, <laughs> probably barely covering your costs, but that's that, but we care. And, yeah. um, and you're telling a story that's bigger than yourselves. And that's what we did with Weed Wars. That's what we're all doing. And and we are influencing the culture. Some days it may not feel like it when you're getting punched in the face. Um, but there's other days where you can feel it. And you're like, yes, somebody called me. They listened to the show today. They said it changed their life. Um, somebody went into the harborside and it changed their life. Um, uh, somebody got out of prison because the last prisoner project changed their life. Somebody yeah. joined a trade association, changed their life. So one life at a time. Well, Andrew, you were there in the early days of Proposition 215. Then we've seen in recent years, Proposition 64. How has the market changed since 2016 in, in, in California? Well, sad story. 
So we didn't get the adult use framework right. And this is a, a, a cautionary tale for Texas. Mm -hmm. In 2010, we lost a statewide ballot initiative to legalize for adults in California. That was called Prop 19. A lot of people have forgotten that by now. But I, don't, I, don't, I, I didn't forget it because all of our friends that were in the, that had cannabis dispensaries throughout the state and farmers and growers began to get busted by the feds when we lost that election. The feds were like, oh, the people of California don't want legal weed. Let's go ahead and bust those hippies. <laughs> um, and they did. Um, and it wasn't just hippies, black and brown people, all kinds of people, mainly black and brown people. I was that still know. under our, our Schwarzenegger as governor at that time? Uh, maybe. Not, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the feds, the it was the feds, man. Yeah. And, yeah. and in those days, the state would help the feds, you know, um, mm -hmm. because we had 215. But if you weren't part of it, but it didn't really cover growers very good. It didn't really cover farmers very good. Um, and, and the feds didn't care if you had a license to have a dispensary or not, they still busted you. So it was a, it was a wipeout, man. It was something like 807 or 800 dispensaries were shut down by the feds. And most of the time, all they had to do was tack a letter on the door saying that if you don't voluntary close up, close, we're going to bust you. Um, and most people said, okay, I don't want to get busted. I'll close. And they closed. And it, it cost them all of the, the cost of a stamp. Well, we got one of those letters and we said, no, um, and we're going to go to court. And, and we knew this was kind of coming. So when we did our leases, we did it. We, we wrote in the lease that we're violating federal law. Um, and so we, when we got into landlord court here in California, the judge said, hold on. It says right in the lease they're violating federal law. You can't evict, evict these people. You can't say that. <laughs> you you agreed to this. You <laughs> you went into it knowing it. Yeah, you went into it knowing it. You can't evict them. Um, and so um, uh, and so that that and we they they knew that if they busted me and my brother because we had done so much media because we had done weed wars they wouldn't get a jury to convict us. <laughs> um, and so they couldn't do that and so you know so we won <laughs> stay right there we're going to take another quick break our guest andrew d'angelo it's the middle of south by southwest going on right now we got saint patty's day coming up and i think tomorrow so it's just that crazy time of year it's also spring break going on so wherever you are enjoying yourself out there it's the texas hip show we'll be right back on the other side with our guest andrew d'angelo Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Labs exclusive hemp monitoring program. Hemp Plan members get one-on-one -on -one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. You're listening to the Texas Hip Show, sponsored by The Loot. The Loot, helping vape and smoke shops deliver the most innovative products to customers. Constantly creating new products that people love. E-liquid, salts, CBD topicals, tincture flour, edibles, and Delta 8. Your customers will be shouting, give me The Loot. The Loot, creating high-margin products for vape and smoke shop. Contact us today at thelootjuice.com for all your vape, CBD, and Delta 8 needs. Mention Texas Hemp Reporter for 10% off. Give me The Loot. Welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show. This is podcast number 73, and we won't back down. We will fight for our right to have cannabis here in the Lone Star State. We do have a big, fat, 1% medical 
of cannabis right now in the Lone Star State, Andrew. And to show you how some of the how slow things move in Texas is two sessions we had gotten 0.05 THC in our medical program, and then it just recently went from 0.05 to 0.5 to 1% in the last session. So we move very slow in our legislature on this, but I, I think as shows like this and publications like the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine and the culture is changing little by little, and that's a good thing, Andrew. Is you know, it's like you spoke that we're 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 all doing our part. That's right, and it, it it's going to happen. It's inevitable. There's too much energy behind what we're all doing, so just keep grinding it out. It's going to come to Texas. It's going to come. So when, when was the last session? Was it this year? Or- it was last this last year, last September, uh, uh, last May. Actually, was this- we had what they call extra sessions, where they add like a month at a time because they had their own little battle going on, their little piss and match between parties. Right. Okay, so you you got to wait till twenty three. Yes. Yes. All right. We'll actually start seeing bills being pre filed by the end of this year in Texas. Well. I'm sure there'll be something uh, that help, that for legalization that's at least tried to be filed. Certainly, we got to get decrim done, man. Yeah, absolutely. All of us have know somebody who has been a victim of it, or ourselves have been unjustly prosecuted or for cannabis for for a plant. I I know I got one of those on my records many years ago. So uh, we all want to all, all want to get get past that. That's another part of the last prisoner project that is is interesting. You know, you you speak to the people that are in jail as is the bulk of the work that you do, but it does affect people just having that on their record from years ago. Just having a minor cannabis you know, if you're trying to be an EMT or any kind of career path, it really affects people in the long term with, with the job opportunities as well, having that on their record. Yes, that's why we fight for but don't get what we call retroactive expungement. Yeah. Uh, I want retroactive release, too, but that's even a steeper hill to climb. But retroactive expungement should not be hard for any elected body to get done. You've just made something legal. It's not a crime anymore. Yeah. You're admitting that it should have never been illegal in the first place because you're now making it legal. So that's right. Why are we going to continue to punish people who should have never been punished in the first place? Really? That's good public policy. Really? If we were to somehow legalize, I don't know, I don't know, let's just use the most extreme example, murder. Murder becomes legal. (laughs) Whatever it is that becomes legal, you can't keep people in prison for it anymore. Um, If the society determines that it's not illegal anymore. Now, I don't know, murder is probably a terrible example, but, you know, maybe interracial marriage interracial marriage was once illegal in texas probably not that long ago was made legal at some point um 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 and so the people that got busted for interracial marriage they probably have records they should it should be retroactively expunged right because it hurts you it hurts you to have a record i'm sure your record has hurt you Mm -hmm. um it follows you around everywhere you go job apartment lease Um, uh, Boy Scout troop, um, whatever, boys club, sports team, you you know, athletic scholarship, uh, academic scholarship, uh, financial aid, um, having a kid, adopting a kid. Yeah, um, everything. um, Everything. And so it's, it's just an outrageous injustice that we need to fix. Last Prisoner Project works on expungement. Most we 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 work on release a little bit more than we work on expungement. Yep, there's our mm-hmm. website. And mm-hmm. um, but a lot of groups are working on expungement. We collaborate with them, and we really try on a policy level. We're trying to get this concept of retroactive 
expungement. We did, we had it in Prop 64. It's one of the first, one of the only things in California we got right with 64 was retroactive expungement. And then, but of course the local people didn't implement it. And so now we have to actually pass another bill, this legislative session that forces the local people to follow what we already passed at the state level. Um, uh, and because they just don't want to do it. The prosecutors, the law enforcement people, the, the, they, they're just, they're, they're still anti-cannabis. They're still believe in prohibition and they just won't do it. You have to file paperwork. You have to do a lot of legal procedures to expunge somebody's record. Uh, and it's, it requires the justice system to participate in that. It's not something you can do on your own. As you know, you cannot just willy nilly make it go away. Um, yeah. um, uh, and, and it has to get out of the database. So when you apply for a job or you apply for an apartment, that's or you, right. Or you try to go back to school or you try to ad adopt a child, it's not going to come up. Um, yeah. Cause that, you know, that was something that happened to me when I was very young, I was in a car. I didn't actually, have the the pot on me but the, the driver threw it under my seat in his car and but yet we both went to jail and so you know in, in a young young 20 year old something year old kid i i had that possession of, of marijuana on my record and and uh it followed me for many years I, it, it it doesn't go away but i didn't know what that was called andrew um I knew that we need to have laws that those that those people shouldn't go to jail for things that are that are legally now that are now legal. I didn't know that that was what that to call it retroactive expungement, but but yeah. that needs to happen, and that should that needs to happen federally. I agree. President Biden, when he was campaigning for the presidency, promised that he said, "This is where Did I stand on, on marijuana. No one should be in jail." for it. Well, there are people in jail, federal jail, doing real time, and all records should be expunged. Those are were his words. I didn't tell him to say that. You know, none of us told him to do that. He voluntarily came out with that policy, has done nothing, um, and in fact is firing his own staff when they admit that they have cannabis in their life, or that even now they're firing people for having investments in cannabis companies. I Just noted having, today. Did you see that? No, I yeah. didn't, I didn't they, see they, that. They fired AIDS because they had any usage with it. And I made note today with my own nonprofit on Twitter today that today is exactly 420 days that Joe Biden has been in office. Oh, wow. Oh, really? And yet he has done nothing with that campaign promise whatsoever. Wow, that I didn't know that today was the the 420th day of his presidency. Wow, isn't that That's... terrible? You know, because a lot of people, some people at least, voted for him because he made that declaration about what he intended to do with respect to cannabis. He calls it marijuana policy, and he hasn't done. He hasn't moved. And I don't. The, you can't just say, "Oh, the pandemic." Uh, I, uh, we were distracted. We had bigger fish to fry. It's no. Um, in fact, somebody that I just I met a couple people recently um, that are going to prison right now just got sentenced. Daniel Musi just got sentenced on March 8th to 60 months in federal prison um, and a $50,000 fine. This is what mm. cannabis people have to deal with wow. these kind of hearings. These kind of fines we have to deal with. A rapist doesn't get these kind of fines, but we get no. these kind of fines. Yeah. Um, and um, and he's going to federal prison, man. And he is going to he is in prison. He's in prison right now. They take you right from the sentencing to the prison. They, in the old days, they give you a couple months to get your affairs in order, and you show up to the prison. You know, a couple months later, not not with weed people. Boom, right into right into the jail from your sentencing, wow. and. Um, and this is happening right now. And by, so Last Prisoner Project, we're doing all we can to hold Biden to his promise. You'll see on our website, we've got all kinds of messaging on that and our IG feed and our social media. And, and, and you know, this is something that, that, that everyone in the cannabis community is leaning on him.
to to keep his promise. It's 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 pretty simple. It's not hard for him to do. Doesn't take a huge amount of time or effort. Um, and and yeah, certainly let's... certainly his own staff certainly. Um, they're, uh, uh, are you kidding me? You can't even have an investment in a weed company in your 401k or your retirement accounts um, with Social Security dying on the vine. You can't invest in your own retirement uh, by trying to, to ride the green wave that's, that's yeah. inevitably going to happen. Are you effing kidding me? That, that is, is That's outrageous. It's outrageous. Yeah. Military members are told the same exact thing. You cannot invest in can. You can't even invest in hemp companies, a federally legal product that won't let you do it. That's not cool. It's podcast number seventy-three of the Texas Hemp Show. Our guest Andrew D'Angelo, uh, calling calling in here from uh, California, founder of Harborside. You know him from Weed Wars. You know him from the Last Prisoner Project. Um, uh, we've got a few minutes left with you. Um, I saw an article. I thought I would have Jesse comment on some of these topics. You you talked about the what's coming up with twenty twenty two in a, in a, in a story I saw online, uh, Andrew. Um, you had some predictions, is that right, Jesse? Or what, we <laughs> yeah. got, what are some of his predictions? I, I wanted to have him comment on some of those, maybe. So um, so we'll just hit the ground running. So we've kind of already went over was number seven is there will be no meaningful federal reform in the USA. Yeah. I, I I regretfully made that per prediction just because Biden hasn't kept his promise. Um, I don't I don't think we have the votes in the Senate to beat a filibuster on the bills that have already passed the House and that they're trying to get through the Senate. I just don't see the votes there. And even if it did pass, I think there's a decent shot Biden might veto it. Um, and you'd never get a override on that veto. So. Those are the only ways you can change it. Those well, are the only ways you can change it, man. I'm sorry. I, I, it was a terrible thing to have to predict. But, you know, unless where I could be wrong is the midterm election. So if the Democrats get desperate enough, <laughs> right, right, right. They, they might fight a lot harder than they are for cannabis right now. Um, right now, it's a little bit like lip service. Um, you have to fight for bills to get passed, okay? And that means you have to spend political capital on that. You can't just float a bill and let it die in committee and say, oh, I did everything I could. Um, you have to go to bat for it in a serious way. You have to engage lobbyists. You have to engage the community. They have to engage us. We are an entire war, warriors, oh, an entire army of warriors ready to defend the president for doing anything to reform this year or to defend the Congress or any politician. We will come to their, we will come to their defense. We will show up. We will demonstrate. We will, if, if we're given the opportunity in the right way, we'll donate to their campaigns. I mean, it's, it's there for the taking. Well, Andrew, what's a, what's a positive one that's on this list of 10 that, that, that might happen in 2022? Well, I, I think the industrial hemp predictions I'm making uh -huh. um, are, are really something to look forward to. I think we're going to get out of industrial hemp for CBD only this year. As I mentioned, I'm working on a nutrition mm -hmm. project in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. um, I'm seeing more hemp clothing that I'm wearing. This has a little hemp in it. Um, <laughs> um, they're not 100% hemp's, you know, yet. I do. There is there is a company in Holland that and a couple other companies making 100 percent hemp stuff, but um, it's mostly blends, but a lot nicer fashion, um, a mm. lot, a lot higher quality products. And we're going to start seeing, you know, luxury brands like Dolce and Gabbana and, you know, <laughs> and 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 all of those folks um, starting to get into hemp. The fashion industry and everything that goes with it, all the accessories, everything that goes with it, the shoe industry, all that needs to get green. Uh, that Those industries are, are, are struggling with sustainability. And so they're going to look for inputs um, that help them do that. Cotton ain't it. Uh, and so um, hemp is, I think, going to have its, its – it, we're just going to start seeing it this year. 
um, with the, the, in the clothing. And I think food, there's a great little hemp pasta company out of Brooklyn, Spagnoli, um, and they make a hemp uh, durum wheat blend pasta that's delicious. I, I eat it all the time. And that's mm -hmm. made from American hemp. That's all American hemp, not Canadian. Uh, so, um, and I think we'll start to see the hemp food products coming online that are American, like this company in Brooklyn. And I'm real excited about that. Uh, 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 I think that 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 industrial hemp is a much is Mexico a, Mexico legalizing cannabis. Yeah. Well, my friends in Mexico are telling me it might not happen this year. I thought for sure it was going to happen this year. We still might get it this year, but the conservative politicians in Mexico, just like in Texas, have a way of stonewalling these things. And so I was down there in 2019 in October because the deadline to pass it was October 31st, 2019. And, you know, the Supreme Court gave them another period of time and then there was a new election and then a whole bunch of new people came in and then there was more delays and um but if not this year any year now it's it could still happen this year in mexico i'm still hoping that prediction <laughs> hey, um, i see your brother i see your brother steve's always down there in mexico doing stuff he he's like working with farmers and and different things oh yeah we, yeah, well, we had we, we had Steve on in the magazine last summer, and he's got something cooking always down there in Mexico. He goes frequently down there. Oh, yeah. We're hot on Mexico. Um, we, we, we believe that, it, you know, there's going to be a really good framework down there. That I think they'll mm -hmm. learn some of the lessons, bitter lessons that we've learned in California and other places about getting the framework right. Uh, but, you know, until the framework's voted on and, and passed into law, we have to keep working with the people down there and, and to a certain extent fighting for what we want. Our guest, Andrew D'Angelo, uh, we got a minute or two left with you here. I guess fire off the website, tell folks how they can support what you're, what you're doing and the work you're in with the Last Prisoner Project. Also, tell us what you got coming up in the next few months as we get into the spring. Where's Andrew D'Angelo going to be for 420 in the middle of, uh, of April next month? And uh, just tell us what you got going on uh, with you this spring as we get into 2022. Well, great. The first website I want everyone to go to is lastprisonerproject.org. And you can go to our tab, Get Involved, and or it might be Get Active, one of those two. And um, you can learn how you can support Last Prisoner Project just as an individual person. And it doesn't mean donating money. It can also mean writing a letter to a prisoner uh, and doing other things to volunteer and help out. What are you doing for 420? Where's you? Yeah, where? 420. I'm probably gonna stay in the Bay Area, and I'll probably go to one more than one event. There's an opening of a social equity dispensary that I'm probably gonna go to, called uh, 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 Rosemary Jane. And then there is a big event that Weed Maps is doing at Hippie Hill and Golden Gate Park <laughs> in San Francisco. So I might get a chance to scream in a microphone for a minute or two at everybody. <laughs> Um, uh, um, and, and then a few days after the, the 420 event, I, I'm attending another music festival in Guerneville, California, that's going to be raising some money for Last Prisoner Project and speaking there. And that's on the 23rd. And, um, and, uh, there's all kinds of, you know, nobody is owning 420 yet. So there's not a <laughs> one seminal event yet. Yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of different ones all over the place. So I know there's some cool stuff happening in Miami. There's some cool stuff happening in New York um, and L.A.'s. And we're just, this is really the first 420 that people have been able to have in person. Yeah. In a while. And I think, give us another year or two. I think that we'll all get, you know, a lot more events that will draw giant crowds and 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 will become cultural icons it's 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 gonna happen um at some point and uh you know when that happens i'm sure me and my brother will be speaking at that one <laughs> wherever that <laughs> is. it's a pleasure having you a part of the texas hip show podcast and and uh checking in with us as we get closer to the spring and get ready for 420 but 
we wish you a, a success, continued success, and, and and chime in with us anytime. You're always welcome to uh, down here in Texas. Well, guys, thank you so much for having me, and keep up the good work. All right, thank you. There he goes. That's uh, and. Drew D'Angelo from Harborside fame and, uh, and Last Prisoner Project work. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on the other side for a final break. It's Russell and Jesse here with the Texas Hip Show podcast. Number 73. We'll be back after this. Told them you were living downtown. Driving all the old men crazy. Hey, this is Cheech Marine, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at all CBD and smoke shops in Houston and Austin, Texas. Expanding to Dallas and San Antonio this year. Cannabis is slowly becoming legal in Texas. So be sure to listen to the Texas Hemp Show podcast every week, wherever podcasts are available. The premier hemp and marijuana advocacy publication for Texas. The Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Mail to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. Now in our third year, with more than 100,000 copies made available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops in Texas. That's the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and the Texas Hemp Show. Visit online at TexasHempReporter.com and listen wherever podcasts are available. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. Welcome back to the Texas Hip Show. This is podcast number 73. We're just going to wrap up. Special thanks to my guest, Andrew D'Angelo from Harborside, chiming in here with uh, Jesse and I here on the Texas Hip Show with podcast number 73. Good good talking with him as always. And, and either Steve or Andrew is always fun to to have in the, in the magazine or, or on the show. So very honored to, to have got a chance to speak with him. Upcoming events. Basically, we're still putting to bed the upcoming issue of the Texas Hemp Report. So that's going to be coming out the first week of April. So that's our next one that we're working on. Jesse's got an event up there in Colleen. Tell us about that one more time, Jess. So April 16th, I believe it would be the Colleen. Oh, with David Bass and the the veterans. It would be uh, the Texas Vet Coalition and Texas Veterans for Medical Marijuana. We're holding a veterans conference at the Colleen Civic and Conference Center. It's on a South WS Young Boulevard. I remember the exact street number. Is there a website or anything for that? Um, so um, the Vet Coalition, uh, Texas Vetco, TXVETCO.org. And you go to events and you can click the tab there. And we've got the flyer up. You can find the event on Facebook if you look for Texas Veterans Cannabis Conference. Who do I have next week on the show? Oh, Soul Grow Farmers will be on next week from Colorado. Just let your soul grow. <laughs> soul grow. Soul grow. That's it, it is soul grow, but you are not framing it soul grow. That is something else from coming to America. Soul grow. <laughs> soul glow. But soul grow is going to be our guest on the Texas Hip Show podcast next week. Our friends from Colorado on Soul Grow farms we're talking about their products on the program and then we have on after that on april 6th it looks like bayou city hemp and then i have uh, jay mcguire from the texas hemp federation uh, will be on april 20th the texas hemp producers will be on Dwayne and scott will come in in studio and i can't see after that Cedarstone Industries, they they are a sponsor of ours that sell processing equipment for processing. They will be weeks after Soul Grow. Soul Grow coming soon to the Texas Hem Show. All right, we're going to leave. We're going to get out of here and leave you some Bay Area music from the 90s. Little too short. Thanks for tuning in. Podcast number 73. We'll see you next week. It's the Texas Hem Show. We'll see you next time. Adios. Your life a crime The beat to keep beating While I sing my rhyme In the city of dope
week.